Welcome back to another episode on Tate Flight Podcast. In today's discussion, we take the time to unpack another tech company who have been in the headlines recently, and that's Meta. The company have recently announced that they'll be letting go about 13% of their workforce, approximately 11,000 people, which is their largest to date. Sales have declined, their valuation has declined, and shareholders are starting to lose faith in their core business model as the company faces unprecedented times to turn things around. Stay tuned and we'll help you understand why, what's going on, and where do we think things are going to end up. Take off, take flight with you. We never fly, but we're flying. Yes, guys, welcome back. Good to connect again. How's everyone doing before we kick off this episode? Fantastic. Um, I had a week off work, so um, I had a self-care week. I think that's what the the influencers call it, um, pretty much relaxing. I went for a spa, spa day, um, which was well deserved and well needed. Um, and then I've almost finished my, I think I might have mentioned a couple of weeks ago, um, a renovation that I'm doing of my bathrooms. So it's almost finished. Um, so I can't wait for that to be done, but yeah, life is good. Can't complain. So you've got a similar, what, relaxation week to Daniel? Is that what the company offers or you took the time off? Um, mine's slightly different to Daniel's. Mine was through oh, hard work. Um, oh, and I, I take your time off. <laughs> 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 I'm playing. But do you, do you know what's, um, what I've realised, Olive, is, um, is the, you, took your, you took your spa week after our last recording where you were off to play football. So that makes me think you went to play football, the body got mashed up, and then you were like, do you know what? I need to take a break. Um, this new age, new year, I think P will feel it as well. <laughs> um, your body can't do what it used to be. <laughs> not, 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 not when did you wrote to November 5th. You're all, you're all in good shape, innit? Yeah. I'm, I'm in shape, man. I'm in great shape. I told you, if I back this top off, you know what time it is, man. I told you. So you can't, I'm not in the same bucket as you anymore. I'm in a different league. <laughs> You just have to accept it. Sure, how's things going? Yeah, all good. All good on on um, on my end. I think what we've got five to six weeks, maybe less by the time this episode comes out before the end of the year. Um, and it's been yeah, it's been a, in a big year, but I think it's going to be an interesting close to the year as well. But other than that, all all good. Still traveling. Still um, get keeping a, a few candles alight on on different sides. But overall, yeah, really good. Uh, Daniel, how you doing? I'm doing good. I think time of recording. It's been a very busy uh, week at work um, in the industry as well. It's been uh, quite tumultuous. I won't share how many more weeks I've got left of working this year because Oli might sh- um, fire some shots. But yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to to having a, um, a good solid end to Q4. But now, now you've got to say it then. How many weeks have you got left? <laughs> I mean, Daniel's by the time this episode's come out, he's done for the year, right? Well, well kind of. <laughs> I have like a week, a, week and a, a week and a half left of work. About ten days worth of work. Um, ten days left worth of ten days left of work. Sorry. Cool. Um, I'm good. Family's well. Um, yeah. No, no major updates. Um, one thing I will say though, actually, is um, I think there are pros and cons to chasing goals and setting goals because when you reach it, that effort to find another mountain to climb takes a while. Right. So so road to November 5th was was great. And then you kind of sort of say, oh, well, I've reached the peak and now I'm like, I have to go again. But it's 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 like 
I don't know. It's like, you know, footballers have spoken about this. When, winning the Champions League, winning the World Cup, at your highest highs, sometimes you can feel quite low. So I'm just yeah, in I that space right now where I'm having to recal- like recalibrate and go again and then really sort of immerse myself into chasing another goal. But it's, it's an interesting mental space that you're in. It's, it's interesting you say that. I know, well, before we get to the topic, because Gary Neville on Diary of a CEO podcast with Stephen Bartlett shared something very similar about, you know, mm. at his peak at Manchester United, winning all these trophies, winning the treble, and then the days after, how it felt like, wow, he felt, he felt a bit empty. He felt like, what's mm. next? And he felt that pressure that you have to think about the next season today, and you can't even enjoy what you just won and celebrate what you've won. But yeah, we digress. But I, I can understand. Comparing, are we comparing? I knew this was going to say. Journey to fifth of fifth. November <laughs> and his peak physical. I'll back you on this. Only what you felt to what you felt to understand is the the mental state of what you're doing rather than what you're achieving because it could be similar just to buying a car. It could be anything of what you put up to what you're working towards and mm. achieving that goal. And once you smash that target, but maybe you've never experienced that. I don't know. So anyway, let's and, that's, and that's what I want to take. <laughs> on. I want to jump in right there. I want to jump in right there. It sounds like a conversation between winners and people that are not winning, you know, so you're never going to, mm. the language is never quite the same, you know, so I'll just I say understand. that. I think it yeah, might yeah. just also be because. I might not class that as winning because that's just a natural state <laughs> for my see, body. But who knows? But it is. We're still, Olu, I'm still waiting for your before and after pictures. So when you can release those, I'll release mine. <laughs> and then we can go. Cool. All right, good. Oh, perfect, oh, oh, perfect. Oh, oh. Just, just one quick remark. Thing is, I haven't no, no, seen... No, not one quick one. <laughs> okay, right, okay. Let's Go on, go on, go ahead. Say what you got to say. This guy, he couldn't wait to tee himself up. Oh, I need to get in there. I need to get in there. All right, all right. Let's, let's start with the episode. This is for an offline All right, let's kick off. Let's kick oh, off. Well. All right, perfect. Cool. So I think if there's one person that many of our listeners would not want to be right now, and that's Mark Zuckerberg. Um, Meta, formerly known as Facebook, is currently facing its most challenging phase in business to date. For the first time ever in its 18 years of operating, they've actually reported a sales decline which has really been driven by sort of unsustainable unsustainable growth um, from the pandemic. Advertisers have pulled back on their spending, increased competition, which we're going to talk about in terms of who those competitors are. And generally, a lot of companies, not only Meta, have been impacted by the current global economic downturn. Meta's value has actually dropped 70% this year. So at one point, it reached and peaked over a trillion dollars. And now it's reported that the valuation is just under 300 billion which meant that it's no longer in the top five most valuable US companies and it's now out of the top 20. The reputation, the reputation continues to take a series of on, ongoing hits around online safety, lack of transparency and real accountability. And not to mention Meta, their Metaverse costly investment is not yet paying off. So investors are not happy with the current results. So there's a lot, you know, that's, that's kind of the context as to what's happening with Meta right now, a lot to unpack. And maybe to kick off with, let's talk a little bit about the metaverse and how that's going, right? So just to maybe to get some thoughts around there first. Who would like to share their yeah, thoughts can... on their current... Olu, please. I can start off there. Um, meta... I, I think Facebook, meta, metaverse, um, sort of 2022 and where we are at. Um, sounds like a, a similar story that we've heard 
previously. And what I mean about that is we heard about companies such as Peloton, right, where they sort of got overexcited based on sort of the demand that they saw during COVID, um, which meant that they felt like, okay, we're going to see more revenue, we're going to see more activity, especially in the online space and people being based at home. Um, Facebook made a bold decision, right, to go completely into metaverse, right? This is not just saying, hey, we are going to go into metaverse and we're going to invest in this space. They completely changed their name from Facebook to Meta. Mm -hmm. And I think what they've seen is there hasn't been as much engagement or um, user um, acceptance as they initially anticipated, right? And I think that's partly due to the fact that people are now more outside, right? I think when they first came up with the idea of meta, meta, metaverse, and I think we did an episode really breaking that down. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't remember what episode is, Daniel, if you could find that so that we can plug that in um, when I finish. But they anticipated by the end of, I think, 2022, they were going to have half a million worth of users on the actual platform. And what they've seen is currently today, they're struggling to even get close to 200,000 users there. So you're seeing a real decline in the user engagement. And to be honest, I'm not really surprised about that, right? Because I can't imagine myself just completely staying at home, having these goggles on um, or VR headsets and just completely um, immersed in this um, virtual reality reality space. especially when outside is now open, interactions are there. You can now go and see friends, family members, have a real world experience. So I'm not surprised there. Um, They've invested billions into it and they're not seeing any form of return or significant amount of return and they don't know how to really make money and monetize this this, um, Mm. new investment or um, vision that they have but i'll stop there i'll let the other folks talk and add their piece but that's really yeah what i think about men no, yeah and, I, and i'll tag on to that point sure daniel you know what do you make of the fact that they're pl- they've plowed billions into this space um we haven't quite seen the results that maybe they're anticipating and mark zuckerberg himself has said that this is going to take 10 years before we see right some real results so just maybe your thoughts on 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 that that space that's kind of uh taken off a bit slower so I think on on my side, um, it, it was interesting. It's an interesting topic to discuss now, Peter. Thanks for shaping the agenda, and I think the timing of it is also interesting because probably this time last year, a little bit before, metaverse and all thing NFTs was the hottest thing ever. I think we also had an episode about it. I think conceptually thinking in terms of where the world is moving, a lot more people are online, a lot more people are spending online, and we did a great episode talking about the opportunities in the metaverse. I think that trend won't stop. It's just which company is going to be the one that makes the most of that trend. And I think during all these big technological changes, if you think about even social media, there's always a there's always a MySpace that needs to come and enter the market and spend a, a lot of money for then a Facebook to come afterwards. Now, in this case, Facebook is coming probably ahead of the curve in terms of how much money they're trying to spend to get a foothold in the market. That doesn't necessarily mean that they will be number one in the market by the time the rest of the world catches up with it Mm -hmm. and starts to make the best use of of metaverse. And I think that timing element is really important. I think in the research for this episode as well, I was 
I was reading how there were companies before the um, before the iPhone that had a very similar concept. Um, it was actually a group of engineers that decided to spin out of Apple and they started to work on their own type of iPhone concept. But that concept was just a little bit ahead of its time. And then there were other examples where it has worked. So Amazon, um, back in 2006, 2007, they were starting to build out their AWS business model. And at that time, a lot of the media, a lot of the shareholders are saying this is a terrible use of money, terrible use of resources. It won't work and there's no line to profitability for it. But now if people understand the Amazon business model, most of their profit is being generated by AWS. And that's almost compensating the rest of the more uh, e-commerce focused business. So there's pros and cons to it all. Um, it's a way of managing the storm. But I think for, for Mark Zuckerberg, when, you're, when your share price plummets as much as he has done, and you've got employees, you've got leadership team, maybe for him, losing billions doesn't make that much of a difference. But if you've got a leadership mm. team that is motivated by stock options, and suddenly their three, four, five million exit is down to a few hundred thousand, then you start to have a real motivating issue with the people in your workforce, the people that you need to deliver on this uh, on this product. So I think when I looked at it, I think there's pros and cons to either side. Only time will tell. But ultimately, he had to make a decision now, probably because of the financial situation that they're in. But I think the jury's still out, whether it's a right or wrong decision. We'll probably only see at the at the end of maybe the decade, uh, if not earlier. Yeah, and we'll come on I, to that. The associates, employees, even the executive directors as well. Olu. Shiwa, when you talk about that and AWS, right, I think timing is also a really strong part of this. Mm. So, like, I think he's talked about investing 15 billion mm. currently into um, sort of the reality lab and everything metaverse related. And 10 to 15, that sounds yeah. like a, mm -hmm. that sounds like a significant amount, especially mm. as he's seeing such declines in terms of potentially entering a recession, um, interest rates going up. I think, if he was spending that 15 billion when interest rates were close to zero, right? Maybe he wouldn't have so much of a harsh impact on their stock price or mm. an outlook on how this is worth. But now that interest rates are getting to seven, eight double digits since um, potentially could reach to people are now saying, look, we need money today and returns today mm -hmm. versus <laughs> returns in 10, 15 years out. Right. And, I mean, that's the complexity when you think about that metaverse. Mm. But yeah. yeah. And just to add to that, Olu, as well, for context, it's you're right, 10 to 15 billion investment, but Q4s of last year already at a 3 billion loss. So it's, it's a loss making business model until who knows, right? Um, Daniel, your, your thoughts on, on the metaverse business model is this, is this what happens when you have a visionary who is sort of ahead of the curve that has to take these big bets, even if it's not working out? or do you think he's got it wrong timing? What's your thoughts on, on, on this metaverse core business model? Loaded question, but I'll try and unpack it. Um, I think there are, when you zoom out slightly and just think about Mark Zuckerberg as an individual, he's always been someone who's very determined at what he believes. He's, with his, he's got deep conviction from taking um, Facebook from a, a web-based platform to a mobile app. And that was actually a time when he refused meetings internally when people proposed for meetings based on Facebook, the web-based um, browser. And he said, no, we need to move to mobile. And he declined meetings for weeks until he got people that were presenting to him about the mobile app. 
And that really changed the culture and ethos of the company because when you think about it, you've employed engineers, you've employed products, you've employed people in design to look at facebook.com on your web browser. But you now want to transition from those who've had the experience and the knowledge of building that to go to something completely different and move to a mobile app. But look how mobile apps succeeded, Facebook on the move rather than just on your desktop. Then, of course, they acquired Instagram and also you've got WhatsApp. So I think he's very convicted, but the, the key difference is Facebook went from being a private company to a public company. And like Shwo alluded to, when you have shareholders, you have stakeholders who've got a, you know equity in the business, they want their return. So the risk you can take when you're a private company is almost immediately eradicated when you become a public company because people have stock options and people want return on their investment. So the, the, the risks you can take are somewhat have to be calculated. You have to show that they're producing good fruit. Otherwise, people, people will quickly lose faith in you. And then when you look at this year, specifically 2021, we've seen the tech industry be on a rapid decline. We've also seen macroeconomic factors come into play globally across most industries. Mm -hmm. And you see um, early this year, I think it was in June, um, it was an announcement that Sheryl Sandberg, the COO, was going to be stepping away um, down from the company um, and you know move, move away in the autumn, have a transition period. And she'd been there very much from the early days and she really helped being like an adult in the room to really help these 20-year-olds yep. And, you know, really monetizing Facebook and growing the marketing space and the ad space, which, you know, yep. tremendously had gone well up until early this year. I think we'll touch on that later around Apple, um, you know, uh, what Apple incorporated and implemented. But then also you've got the fact that meta the metaverse is a new concept. You have to spend money to make money. But the amount that, you know, meta are investing into the space is not immaterial. Like P mentioned, Reality Labs... Their, their revenues nearly halved in the third quarter to 285 million with losses at 3.7 compared to last year, which was 2.6 billion. Sorry, losses of 3.7 billion compared to losses at the same period at 2.6 billion a year ago. And that was just after they had you know, really announced that they're delving into the space. And the companies actually, they've said they're expecting more losses, operating losses yeah. in the unit to grow significantly over the next year in 2023. So right now they've been very transparent about saying what that business looks like in the next year that they're going to be operating at a loss that loss if we were in a different market conditions maybe would be acceptable if you believe in the metaverse if you believe in the future of web3 but right now i don't think that loss can be sustainable for shareholders to not speak up and be vocal which some of them have been in the last few weeks after they shared their q3 earnings so yep. hey, I hope I've kind of unpacked it. I don't want to run. No, away no, with... and, and it's great because what because what I want to do next actually is I want to take the situ I want to take the scenario where us four are actually major shareholders in Facebook, right? And we have sort of backed Mark and Zuckerberg for a number of years. We understand Dan to your to your point. He's very uh, a very strong minded um, um, belief and has that conviction on his visions. But what we've seen as shareholders in the last year is that the valuation, as I mentioned, at one point sort of peaked one trillion. That's down to now under 300 billion. Share price has gone from sort of high 380s to now 100. We, For the first time ever, they've reported a sales decline. We're seeing all of these pressures. What, you know, are shareholders thinking, right? Share that thought. And perhaps what do you think they're sort of expecting or demanding? Because I think one of the things I also want to come into is the control that Mark Zuckerberg has over this company. 
which might not be quite the same as other tech companies. Maybe so just some thoughts from a shareholder. Firstly, yeah. I was just going to say, I think that the shareholders, to some degree, of course you want to return, they've been spoiled because it's been a rapidly growing company and the share price has been going up for a decade. And I think it was, it was this Q2 was the first time they reported a decline in revenue. So shareholders would not, that's like winning, being a top, you know, being the best team in the world and having your first loss. It's like, it's, it's new to you. You're not, you're not used to it. But I'm not saying that that's acceptable because the, the rate, the rate at which it's declining has been, you know, rapid too. It's been a rapid increase and a rapid decline. However, you've got to understand that there's going to be cycles. This, irrespective of the industry, they're going to be cycles. It depends where the leader, the CEO, decides to draw a line and say, okay, we need to stop this. We need to do something and, you know, change, you know, course correct mm -hmm. and do something about it. Right now, we'll get into it about what they're doing, but we can maybe argue what they're doing right now is not enough because just, uh, you know, the TLDR is the, 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 the employee count is just only back to December 21 Correct. I'll come on to that. So, yeah, but yeah, because... but we'll get on to that. So you know, from a shareholder's point of view, you're thinking, okay, yeah, you're cutting, you're cutting operator, you're not, you're, the operating costs are being reduced, but we're only going back ten months. Like we yes. need to do a bit yeah. more. Yeah. And then you've got yeah. Reality Labs continuing to be at a multi-billion-dollar loss per year on year. So I'll, as a shareholder, I'll be thinking, well, what is the long-term vision? Okay, the metaverse, yes, but what are we going to do before that really takes off? Not because I believe in the metaverse and the future of Web3 and technology, but we're not going to get that overnight. It's going to be similar to the dot com. They're going to be companies that come, they help shape the space, as you alluded to, MySpace, and then they will fizzle out, and then the builders are really going to come in and take it by storm. Are Facebook or Meta going to be that sort of guinea pig to lay the foundation mm -hmm. to set mm -hmm. everyone up for success and then it takes off? We don't know. But from a shareholder's point of view, at this particular moment in time, I wouldn't be. I'll be concerned, but not so concerned on Meta specifically because the whole tech industry is in the same storm and, to some degree. Yeah, yeah, that's a fit. Yeah, yeah. Um, just maybe a point. I think one one thing for me as a show, I think that you've mentioned some great points. I think obviously I'll probably notice as a shareholder with the company for some time, but the level of control that Mark Zuckerberg has might become becomes an issue in moments like this, right? He has he owns thirteen percent of the company and has 54.4% sort of voting right. And so there have been reports to suggest that he's been quite tone deaf to the investor community. Um, if this was another company who owned, and a CEO only had 1%, he would have been gone by now. So I would be sort of, as a shareholder, expecting a change, right, in, in the way of thinking, in potentially plans, given his level of control, given where we are, right? It's, 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 it's the, the, the set of behaviors and decisions you can take when you're sort of riding high on, on, on high growth and sales um, is one thing, but what's the change in thinking and plans and how are you looking to, uh, you know, manage that crisis, even with the same level of control when things are sort of um, going down. So, and that's something when I'm, when I'm reading through the reports, it, it's Mark Zuckerberg is very, he's not changing. Right. And so that might be a quiet concern for me long-term. Uh, Shuol, thoughts, Again, you know, we're in the hat of a shareholder um, and, and the valuation where it is today in the performance. Yeah, I think um, so. Definitely that question that you that you raised, Pian, and discussed really well about the the control in this case. I think this was probably um, 
would have been a major concern, especially if there wasn't any action being taken. But I think due to the recent announcement about the job cuts and also the wording in the press press release, etc., and taking some accountability about some of the some of the decisions being made not being the right ones, I think that would hopefully stem some of that concern a little bit. I think regarding a, a shareholder's perspective, I think it really depends on what time people got into this company and also their risk profile and what's the time horizon that they're looking at. So if I'm an investor of a pension fund and I've sat with Facebook since um, 2015, 2016, overall, I probably have made a loss the last couple of years, but overall, I'm still probably up. I think if I'm someone who believes in Mark Zuckerberg, who believes in the vision, um, then maybe it's worth sticking around. For others who are maybe looking to go into Facebook, maybe now is actually a great price to come into it. Um, and there could be potential upside. Whereas if you had bought in this time last year, then I think from a shareholder sentiment, you'd probably be very, very frustrated um, and questioning. So I think it really depends on what price people got in and also the long-term horizon that they're looking at. For me personally, if I was an investor and I had got in quite early with them, then I think they've they've generated enough of a return for me. So would I, if I don't need to sell at the moment, then let's just wait to see how things pan out because it could be one of those things where if it does work out, it works out extremely well. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it, I think with what he's demonstrated as a CEO, I think he's, you can afford to give him the time to see if it works out. Um, but that's just my, my personal opinion. Yeah. And yeah, I think P you mentioned um, about the super voting rights that he has in terms of his, his um shares right um i think he has a 10 to 1 every share he has he has roughly around 10 voting rights versus a ordinary share right um as an investor hearing that would give me some concern um but that's always been the way there um concern just mm-hmm. in regards to sort of corporate governance right because i do believe that there's an element of the board an element of shareholders sort of trying to hold accountable the CEO, right? And I think if he turns around tomorrow and says, I don't care what you say, I'm going to go down this particular route or route, um, there's not so much you can do. Um, I think you've got to look at Facebook or Meta in, it's not a, as a it's gone through a phase where it's not a cash cow anymore. And what I mean about that is certain companies gain, get to a certain level of maturity and a certain level of growth. Mm. And then all they're doing is just producing cash, returning that to shareholder through that element. I think meta has gone through. And when I look at meta right now is it's gone through a change period. And that change period right now is saying, we want to go back into a growth company. Mm. Um, and I think you have to go in there with that sort of mindset. And I think now the stock price has been corrected to that to say, Hey, now it's not just going to be, cause it is similar to like Apple, um, um, Google, it generates a lot of cash. Right. And a lot of people were like, okay, good. It generates a lot of cash. We get that as investors, they're going to buy sharebacks or maybe in the future, maybe introduce dividends and return that money back to the investor. And they've sort of pivoted and said, no, now we're going to sort of use that cash, use that those billions, reinvest it to now become a growth company in the future. So I think I would go into that investment if I was an investor mm. um, in that mindset of saying, OK, now I've moved away from 
uh, safer cash generating, which would normally stay in like pension funds, will just grow at a nice pace, return cash back, etc. To now, no, we're going to take a risk, which is a risk that they're taking right now. And that risk is going to ensure that we either grow in the future and we just don't become that sort of stale, mature company that's slowly growing, just re returning cash. But we can be, and I think the metaverse is pitched as if it's going to be the next internet. It's going to mm -hmm. be the next game changer. Mm -hmm. And if it is right and it is successful, we're talking about a trillion, like multi-trillion multi yeah. um, opportunity. If it's wrong, then if they had stayed in the advertising space and stayed in their current model, right? They're losing they already it. had they already were already losing. They had a lot of threat there through Apple's privacy changes and stuff like that. Um, but going back to your question, as an investor, um, and I think Shawal highlighted really well, it all depends what time I got into that investment. Mm. Um, if it was a long time ago and it was still making a always I was up, maybe I'll still hold, in, hold on to it because I'll be like, okay, in 10, 20 years, if this does play out, cool. If I was more there in a the short term, um, then I've got to ask myself the question of opportunity cost. Do I want to lock myself into this particular opportunity again for 10, 20 years if it plays out? Or do I want to pull it out and pull it in something else, which I think I might feel like it's a safer investment? Yeah. And I think great points there. Go ahead, go ahead, Daniel. Said, you know what's really interesting about like the, the macroeconomic conditions that we're in right now is I don't like to compare like say, oh, for example, that's the next uh, LeBron James because LeBron James and LeBron James, they're the next person in their own right. But the next mm -hmm. kind of meta company that's going to be there is being built right now or going to be built in the next one to two years. We're in a downturn in the market. Think about when you know meta Facebook really blew off, when the likes of Airbnb, WhatsApp, Instagram all took off. It was in downturns in the market. So those next big companies that we'll talk about for the next decade are being built right now or they're about to be built when there's mass layoffs and that's when people are really creative to build platforms for the future so it's really exciting to see what is going to emerge as the next big thing with the foundations that these big companies are laying right now i, I think there's some great points you guys have outlaid in, in a sense of understanding that one nothing lasts forever understanding where companies are in their sort of life cycle and never forgetting that um and just sort of the changes that they can go through i think all of the points you mentioned around maybe meta accepting that they need to go back to being a growth company is a very important one. So as an investor, it's just having that eye to understand what phase is this company in and what phase will they sort of look to go into. I want to I want to switch the conversation to talk a little bit about competition because that has been, their core revenue model has been on advertising. That's taken a hit um, because the customer, you know, in, customer engagement has changed. There's There's been a lot of sort of teenagers and users that have now sort of gone to sort of your TikTok platforms, um, which does, which has impacted how the advertising revenue works for um, for Meta. So, and Oli, you've mentioned about, you know, Apple changing its privacy, which has been a big impact, which I'm not sure people really understand. So let, let's talk a little bit about the competition um, and, and maybe how do we see Meta navigating themselves through Composition to maybe turn things around. Any any words on on sort of the change that Apple made to their privacy settings and what that's meant for for Meta and other tech companies actually? Yeah, sure. Um, I think with the Apple privacy changes, um, 
Well, firstly, it allowed Apple to triple their market share in, in mm-hmm. six months after it introduced, introduced privacy changes to iPhones that obstructed rivals such as Facebook from targeted ads at consumers. So you could be on the App Store, look for Snapchat, search Snapchat, but snap, search Snapchat, but TikTok will come up as number one. So, you know, of course, they've taken a big hit. Apple have benefited it from it. But that's been a huge challenge or it's been huge for you know, Meta's sort of advertising, their spend, spending, spend's increasing, um, but just the rising competition as well um, from short form videos like TikTok and the difficulty in targeting the advertising has on been this quite, mm-hmm. on this platform, it's been quite, you know, it's been a hard pill to swallow. And it made me think that this was announced or this was early in the year. And then it was also Sheryl Sandberg announced that she was stepping down and she was very much instrumental in growing their ad business. And at the same time, people may not be aware, but they a meta loss a series of executives, including David Marcus, who was the head of the financial arm, as well as David Fisher, who was the um, chief revenue officer. So I don't know if these were all small plays for people to, that there were signposts to say, you know, Meta's going to be in a bit of trouble in the next couple of months, or it was just happening right. by coincidence. But when you look at, for example, ByteDance, who own TikTok, yes, they've had their global revenues cut by, slashed by at least $2 billion. You know, I, I, I wonder how money's been managed there because I've heard they've had some very lavish parties, you know, like the, the EMEA, the London team going out to Portugal and spending over $2 million on a weekend, similar in the South America, LATAM, you know, I'm thinking, oh, these companies really do not, they don't, they don't hold back on the cat and give their employees a good time. You know, they if you read how much they've been spending, you'll be shocked. But then they're coming into trouble right now as well. So I think even the competition are facing similar challenges and your Apple are certainly benefiting from it. But I think it's it's something that their peers mm. are also struggling with. And the thing about Meta is Mark Zuckerberg is a CEO who isn't someone to be very vocal. He's not someone to write a narrative or public profile of himself to the public. He's very much reserved. Mm. Those who are close to him will know who he is or how he is. The rest of us, the opinion we have of Mark Zuckerberg is shaped by the media, by what they write about him. He's not an Elon Musk to now talk about what he's doing or how he feels or you know, what he wants to do today by Dogecoin. But all of our perception of Mark Zuckerberg is from him in court meetings or court hearings, what the media write about him, his reserved nature. You don't really know who he is. We don't know who he is. We don't know what he thinks. So from that point, we're quite guarded about what they want to do to some degree in the long-term roadmap. Mm. So, so maybe just two other topics to cover, uh, which are quite important. Um, one being... Wait, Pete, Pete, you know, before that, before, before, sorry, Pete, before we move on, just round off the um, Apple privacy bit, because I think Olu was doing that. So just Yeah, that's off. what I was going to do. Yeah, Dan, so I was going to talk yeah. about like the... Priv- so. And then okay. you could talk about it, but it's just around sort of what it is. So like the privacy, what, why is such a big deal for advertising companies in terms of a lot of these advertising companies, yep. the way they make their money is by understanding the client so that they can have real focused targets. Because if I'm a company that wants to get advertising, I'm going to say the age demographic, the, what the interest, all these different things. And Facebook has now, oh, not Facebook, uh, Apple has now blocked that off so that their advertising is not so, um, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot now about permissions. I think when they introduced this um, app tra- tracking transparency, 
it forced apps to not ask for permission before they were tracked, you know, the, the behavior of the users. So if you've now got a choice, more than likely people will press no, I don't want to be tracked. That then plays a huge role. And they estimated around when they made this change to the privacy settings, it caused an estimated about 10 billion of revenues to uh, drop from these tech companies. So a huge impact in those also um, in terms of numbers as well. The other part which um, is important to mention, and then we can talk a little bit about the, the recent headlines around the associates, is the regulatory space. Um, you know, Meta have been in the, have been in the news, you know, countless amount of times in terms of uh, you know lack of transparency around data, uh, putting profits before reportedly putting profits before um, online safety. You know, their their reputation has taken a hit year on year, month by month. How much, you know, there's been a recent case of a whistleblower as well talking about how, you know, uh, laws are not kept up with also what's happening around the world. How much is, do you think this is also playing a role in terms of their uh, performance? Um, and I think that's also one of the reasons as to why they actually wanted to change to Meta, right? To sort of give themselves an opportunity for a fresh start to kind of, you know, refresh that sort of branding. Um, but just thoughts there, because that's something which, you know, every two, three, four headlines, it's always about meta and, and perhaps not meeting um, a regulatory um, um, law or guideline. No, I would say that that's probably my one of my biggest concern with them creating the metaverse. Because like I said before, the way I think about metaverse is, is them trying to create their version of the internet. And I don't believe the internet should be owned by one corporation. Because if it is owned by one corporation while are sort of like similar to what Apple is doing with their mobile phone and just a device, right? What privacy laws are they going to introduce? What safeguardings are they going to introduce? And are those safeguardings going to be truly governance, uh, governance in a way where it's like, I'm trying to protect the users or is it going to be more from a capitalist point of view on how can I ensure I maximize my return? And that's my greatest concern with this metaverse um, vision that he has, right? Because they could have kept their name as Facebook and done something in the business focused on metaverse and reality lab. They chose to change their complete name. So whenever you think about metaverse, right, you think about their company. Mark Zuckerberg. And again, I feel like any when the internet was initially created, right, I think it was created, in my mind, for the beauty of how do we solve a problem for the greater good of the world, right? connectivity whatever i don't think when a bunch of coders and people were coming up with the internet initially it wasn't for a way of saying how can we make money from it and how can we ensure that we get money from all these different elements and all these different places it's really a platform that's built on top of and people can monetize and do whatever they want to do on top of it and i'm just not sure if facebook are targeting this idea in that way of saying okay how do we create this universe where everyone could use and everyone could leverage without having that capitalist mindset. And if you do have that capitalist mindset, is it as safe? Is privacy the big focus? Is the health of people using these um, virtual reality equipments the first thing you care about? Maybe not. Mm. Dan, you wanted to share a few words maybe around. Yeah, I was just going to say, you spoke about, I think, you spoke about every other headline is sort of negative and I, that goes back to my earlier point of the media really shaping the the narrative of what they want us to perceive uh meta as i'm not saying what they're doing is incorrect or what's wrong 
but we're really going by what we read as headlines. Of course, you need to write headlines to make money. You know, news makes money. You have to sell stories. So I think we also have to, you know, have a degree of being able to be a critical thinker for ourselves to see what they're doing. Because let's be honest, every company would break some sort of privacy law if we were to really scrutinize and audit their business. When you look at the banking sector, you can always, you know, how many fines go out to bank, you know, the, the main banks? I'm not going to name any specifically, but they're banks, they're, they're being sued all the time and issued fines, multi-billion, multi-million dollar fines. But that doesn't always make headlines. But when it comes to Meta, and I think it's because the, the, the normal person, the, the normal the normal Joe is a consumer of a Meta platform, whether it be WhatsApp, Instagram, or Facebook itself. We then are concerned about, oh, how's our data being used? But when we sign up to, say, uh, a, a subscription-based model, and it, we, we adhere to the terms and conditions, do we care about if our data is being sold on and passed on? We don't really think about it. But when it comes to Instagram, which we all use and we all share photos, do we read the TCC to say that our photos are no longer owned by us and they can share it if they wanted to? But we still continue to post. <laughs> but of course, yeah, I didn't even, you know, as you're, as you're saying that now, I didn't even know that was a TNC. You now go and search your name on, on Google, your Instagram profile is probably going to be the first thing that comes up yeah, 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 when yeah. you click on images um, or your LinkedIn profile. But I say that, but all, you know, although I'm, you know, I'm trying to joking around, of course, we need to be very aware of the users on such platforms that make sure they're not children of underage or being manipulated or coerced or being vulnerable or online cyberbullying etc yes we need to be very careful of that but there's only so much they can do mm. to a degree they can put checks in them you know put safeguards in place but let's be honest these safeguards or these checks in place can always be overridden someone can always bypass it do something but we have to be very careful about what we just consumers take as kind of gospel and what they're also trying to do to improve. I have no doubt, yes, there are some flaws in the system, but I also know that they're probably working hard to fix them, to improve that, and to scale it. Just as with any now social media platform online, whether it be LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, etc. Because we know of the horror stories where people have, unfortunately, you know, taken their lives through a challenge mm -hmm. on TikTok, or whatever it may be. So there needs to be better things in place, better safeguards and policies in place. But unfortunately, I don't think it would ever be a hundred percent great, hundred percent effective to be to, to for a lack of a better phrase. Yeah, and I think we'll come back to these points on the very last segment around what do we think um, Meta need to to do or or think about for the future. Um, sure, I want to come to you around this last point before we get there, around the the last headline that Meta have have sort of announced that they're laying off thirteen percent of the workforce, around eleven thousand people. Um, one of the maths I'd done was realizing that actually, to what you said, Daniel, that was what they planned to hire when they actually announced the meta. So it's not like they're actually, doesn't actually look as if they're cutting down their workforce any significantly than what they had maybe a year ago. But sure, is you know, from your from your standpoint, is this the right decision to make? Um, should they focus on other areas? Because as we've mentioned in this conversation, there are many different areas that they can focus on. Is the workforce, the, the place to go to when you're in a situation like they are? Yes, I think um, it's, it's, a, it's a great question for us to discuss. And I think what you, uh, you've just mentioned, P and, and, and Daniel, about 
even with these reductions, they are only back to the number of headcount they had about a year ago. So I think there's a couple of things you can understand from that. One, probably they were just hiring way too many people. Mm. Um, two, in terms of the point that Oli mentioned earlier on in the episode about the cost of capital becoming higher, we're, we're walking away from a, a cheap money era, but now everything has a, a substantially higher cost of capital. Historically, still quite low but just from recent years um significantly higher so what that means is the amount of investment you're putting into projects um the amount of investment you're putting into hiring all of these now come with a better question of what return am i getting for that investment and unfortunately for for meta and also a signal of the the, the reduction that they've proposed they probably hired way too many people on extremely attractive offers i would assume to attract engineering talent for example which is very hard to come by in the tech industry and now they're having to to reshape the the business maybe there's a question mark if this is enough and if in a in the next year or so depending on where the market goes will they need to go back to it um but it is a readjustment to the to the business and significant now whether people and headcount is the right question i think we've all seen companies that have tried different things I assume probably the headcount won't be the only place that they will reduce spending. Probably they'll reduce spending in some of the non-priority parts of the business as well. So this is maybe just the the beginning part. Um, But ultimately, for a lot of businesses, headcount is one of their biggest overheads. And if they can reduce that down, then that should lead to lower costs across some of the other spend items. And I mean, ultimately, if you're losing 80, 70, 80 percent of the market value from the peaks, then you've probably got a lot of people that maybe aren't as motivated anymore, maybe people that would like to leave the company. So this could also help them uh, as well. So let's see how it how it plays out. It's never easy to have those conversations. It's never easy to probably um, reduce workforce because there are people at the end of the day. But in these in these environments, you do have to take the decision. The only other thing that I would add is... If Facebook was doing this just alone, then it's a completely different discussion. But I think, Daniel, as you mentioned, across the tech sector, you're looking at reductions anywhere between 10 to 50% at Twitter. So there is a range of reductions. It is cyclical. It is industry specific, I would say, probably even stronger. Uh, And then let's see how it it plays out. Any point on... Daniel, go ahead. I was going to say, I think Shaw touched on some key points there. And when you look at the company total expense of 2022, it was in a range of 85 to 87 billion. Um, and narrowing that they that was narrowing down to its prior outlook of 85 to 88. Um, but when it anticipates its 22, 20, sorry, when it anticipates its 2023 expenses, it's in a range of 96 billion to 101 billion, um, despite it seeking to cut costs and freeze most of its hiring earlier this year. So of course it's taken a, a drastic this well, was taken a decision to cut the workforce by 13 percent equal in 11,000 employees. But when you look at tech groups over the year so far in 2022, there have been 106,000 job cuts, which is not an insignificant number. That's a big number. And as Shua alluded to, it's not just uh, Meta doing it. I think when you look at um, data from layoffs.fyi, Meta is the company that's laid off the most in terms of the number of staff given its size. 13% 13% by 11,000. I think the next one is uh, a, a company in in Turkey uh, called Getir. That was 4,480. And surprisingly, people may not even know that Booking.com, Amsterdam-based Netherlands, 
mm-hmm. um, laid off 25% of its company. And that's just over 4,000 employees. And there's lists, you know, I think Twitter is number five on that list. And you've got more, you've got Peloton and some of the no- names that you've known and some of the crypto industry as well. But it's not just Meta. They've had the biggest nominal number in cuts. But like I said, it's 106,000 and growing so far in 2022. Wow. I think there's Very a few cool. things. Yeah. A few things I just want to add, right? I think my biggest um, issue with the Facebook um, sort of hiring and firing element is, yes, they announced that they're letting go 11,000 people. But if we look at what their headcount was in 2016, there were around 17,000 employees. So from 2016, with around 17,000 employees, they got all the way up to around 80, I think it was 87,000, yeah. 80, 80, 87, right? In the space of six years, they've recruited like a ridiculous amount. And even with the 11,000 that they're saying that they're going to, or that they're planning to fire and they've given packages to, that still puts them ahead of the headcount that they had in the previous year. So it, in my mind, if I, I know the stock price jumped up and people are saying, oh, they're doing the right thing. And yes, I think um, there's that element of it. But in terms of tech companies, Absolute there's numbers. been a... Uh, yeah, you've got to look at the absolute numbers of this, right? And yes, 13% is a large number and a massive. But if you look at it, zoom out and look at the context of where they've gone from 17,000 to now going to 80,000, 70,000, that's a significant jump up. And I think I mentioned this in the two weeks episode that we did before when we talked about Twitter is Twitter is going to shake up the tech industries, right? And it's going to have a lot of companies asking themselves, how much headcount do we need? how much employees do we actually need in a company? And I think this is just the beginning. A lot of people are saying that we've already, we were already in the tech recession and we're starting to see a lot of these corrections when it comes to headcount. Now, for the listeners, why do companies go for headcount, right? And I think the reason is because whenever you look at their cost structure, the biggest part of their cost structure, especially what they call their base cost, so not variable, which is more connected to the revenue, but their base cost element, is employees that's the heaviest amount of it right so a lot of companies will go through either hiring freeze i think when you the first way you slow down sort of the the they build up on your um, yeah. thing you start with hiring freeze which is what they've done multiple organizations have done hiring freezes then the second stage of it now is redundancy and i think Shawal gave us the human element of it right this is not just numbers these are actually people being made redundant right it's shaking up their world it's shaking up their um their life livelihood i think i just wanted to allow us checking to see what would what were the packages in which facebook actually gave up and to be honest there were significant packages that they decided to give i think it was six, 16 weeks of like their base um pay plus two additional weeks for every year of service they get their ptos their any vested shares that they have they're going to do health insurance for the next 12 months. Um, and then also like career support and immigration support in case someone's transferred over for like visa reasons. So they are given a really good package. But what I think needs to change to stop this volatility is 
I believe the packages that employees should get should be more stern, which will make companies slow down and think when it comes to the hiring element of it. If organizations knew that when we had to let a person go, no matter if they've only been here for one week, two weeks, whatever, short period of time, if it's not performance reason related and restructuring related, we have to give them a year salary. I think companies will think more when scaling up significantly where they're 2X in, 3X in, 4X in their employment in a short place, space of time. Um, and then companies will have to think about other creative ways to get resources, right? Contracting can be a different way, right? Instead of hiring people, they could have decided, okay, let's get these people to based on the spike in volume that we've seen to be contractors or temp External contractors, third parties right? instead. So at least that way you manage the volatility, you manage the disruption on the people because at the end of the day, it's not just numbers, there are people involved in it. But I think this is just the beginning. I think the 13% doesn't even take us back to the number of employees they had last year. So I won't be surprised if we get into a recession, get into more declining earnings, they're going to have to come back again and do an additional layoff. Yeah. Great. No, I think we're going to do a quick lightning round on just what do you make of Meta over the next 12 months, right? So just maybe a couple of thoughts, um, less than a minute before we close. Um, Shuo, just what, what's your thoughts? Future of, future of Meta in the next 12, 24 months? 12, 24 months, I think, will be rough. Uh, long term, it's something that will be very high risk, but high reward. I think for me personally, I actually do own some Facebook stock that I bought in about 2015 or 2016. Um, it was nice uh, this time last year, and it has dropped considerably from then. Am I selling? No, because I don't need to. Um, and I'd rather wait to see. I think Mark Zuckerberg as an entrepreneur, as a founder, there's not so many tech companies out there that are still being led, publicly listed by their original founders. And I think there's some mm. value in that. I think in this case, I'm okay to let him give it a go. He's demonstrated with his performance track record, with his acquisitions of his pivots in the past, that he can do it. So I'm happy to see how this will develop. Now, if it was the amount of money that was life-changing for me, then maybe I'd be in a slightly different boat. But I think at the moment, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. It will be a rough 12 to 24 months, but I think the five-year view is the most important. And I think you will figure it out along the way. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think it's going to be, um, he's facing unprecedented times. Um, he doesn't have the staff members as he had what got him to this stage. In, in addition to what Daniel said, Peter Thiel has also left the board as well. So key members have, have, have left um, the organization. But I think it's going to be a very, very challenge, challenging period. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more sort of decline to come. Um, there's nothing stopping Apple from doubling down on privacy settings and setting up new rules to continue to quote unquote crush the competition. Um, so it's it's and, and I say all that because Meta is a ten year long term bet, right? So in 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 the medium term, um, how are you going to turn around the advertising business? Right, so that's that's going to be something that he's going to have to uh, work on. So yeah, I, I see I see a very very tough and and bleak outlook for for Meta. Um, Olu, um, I don't own any Facebook shares directly, um, and for our listeners, this is not financial advice. So we're just talking about our opinions. So please don't decide to make investment decisions just based on our 
um, conversations, do your own independent research, speak to um, a qualified financial advisor before you do invest. Uh, my outlook on Facebook, I think in the short term, is going to be really difficult. I don't believe Mark Zuckerberg as in the terminology, taking the medicine um, and made the hard decisions in regards to potentially slowing down the innovation in um, in metaverse. Me personally, I think what sh would have made more sense if you wanted to go down that metaverse idea was probably to split the company into two. So you have what is the traditional Facebook advertising business, and then you have another business that you spin off or make as a standalone, which is solely in AI, virtual reality, and you focus on that. So you have two separate uh, focuses. Um, but based on where the stock price is and where it is right now, personally, do I see room for improvement in the future? Yes, I do. Um, but the question is, am I willing to try to predict the bottom? Um, I do. I can't predict that because I do believe in the next one, two years, they're going to, ex I expect to see tougher times for them. Um, just because I think revenue is going to continue declining based on recession. The first thing that companies pull back is their advertising spend. So that's going to continue declining and they haven't really come up with the model for what virtual reality is going to look like in terms of generating and creating money. The only difference that they have is that they're not highly levered, like we talked about two weeks ago with um, Twitter. So they've got more time on their hand. Um, but yeah, I think short term is going to be difficult. Long term, 10 years, I can see a decent return. Daniel, please. Uh, I, final I'll, try be, I'll try to be succinct and keep to that, that 60 seconds. My, my my quick take on this is, first of all, I bought a few meta shares a few weeks ago. So therefore, my opinion and my think my thinking is they're going to emerge from this um, in the right way, positively. But I think when you look at it from uh, a zoomed out perspective, they went IPO in 2012. They went public in 2012. In 10 years, this is the first time they're facing such challenges. And it's from um, rapid and uh, rapid hiring. I think as time goes on, they're going to really think about, well, I think what things, sorry, in the next 10 years, I think what's going to really impact them is uh, Apple advertising constrictions regulation, which yep. may limit to what they can do. However, I think they will be nimble and creative enough to continue to be um, important, to continue to be relevant and continue to grow their businesses of all their subsidiaries in a positive way. So I think they have a, it's going to be tough in the short term, but long term, it's going to be um, positive for the company. So with that said, everyone, we hope you've um, enjoyed this conversation, episode 159 on Meta, the recent news, the tech industry, and, and all that we covered. I myself have certainly enjoyed researching this um, in, more, in greater detail, having a conversation with the others on this podcast. Please let us know in YouTube, on the comments, or in uh, Instagram, your feedback. Or if you have any feedback for us, feel free to find us on Instagram at Take Flight Podcast. Feel free to subscribe to us on our YouTube channel, Take Flight Podcast. And wherever you listen to us, please remember to give us a five-star review. We really appreciate that. It keeps us going. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and God bless. Take off, take flight with you. Yeah. We never fly away.